You're listening to Video Monsters, a weekly podcast. Uh, well, uh, mostly weekly. Sometimes more, sometimes less. <sighs> All right, fine. A mostly weekly podcast of Creatures Talking Features with your hosts, Nathan Simmons and Eric Harris. Video Monsters is brought to you by the Chattanooga Film Festival and Central Cinema in Knoxville, Tennessee. Follow them on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, or online at chatfilmfest.org and centralcinema865.com. And links for each of these can also be found on our pages, so be sure to follow us at Video Monster Pod on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram as well. Hello and welcome to episode 328 of Video Monsters, where we take movies seriously, just not ourselves. I'm Nathan. And I'm Dan. This sounds weird without having Erica between us. <laughs> yeah, unfortunately... I used uh, to go in second. <laughs> unfortunately, our co-host Eric has become our COVID host Eric, uh, as he tested positive for COVID tonight. So, that sucks. But, very thankfully, uh, we have much much more interesting replacements with John Adams and Toby Poser. Say hello, guys. Hey, what's happening? Thanks for having us today. Hello again. Yeah, great to see you guys again. Man, uh, you're kicking Eric while he's down. That's <laughs> <laughs> awful. Look, I already told him that I'm going to be alternating between, like, legit praying for his health and that no one else in his family gets sick and just being a real dick to him. Eric, we love you. Uh, and all of our listeners send any prayers good vibes whatever send all of it his way so that uh so that you know hopefully it's just a minor case that does not spread to the rest of his family um but we're not going to be talking about eric tonight we are going to be talking to john and toby about non-traditional final girls and i'm i'm real excited about this for one uh it's fun to talk about final girls but more importantly, because Dan and I absolutely love Hellbender, which is coming out on Shutter February 24th. You just told me and I've already forgotten. You nailed it. <laughs> write, it d- write it down, man. Oh, you have paper in front of you. I'm sure of it. I have so many things in front of me that I could write down simple notes. And yet I don't uh yes so hellbender is coming out on shutter on february 24th and we absolutely love that movie and uh if you want to hear more of our thoughts on it you can go back and listen to episodes 317 and 318 where we uh do our review and and then interview uh john and toby and zelda uh about their process of of making kick-ass horror movies so so yeah thanks for joining us again this this is you guys are awesome Oh, that that melts my heart. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that melts my exhausted heart. Uh, so yeah, we we are in the middle of final February, talking about final girls, and we're going to be talking about non traditional final girls. But before we get into that, Dan and I have a story to share that we did not have a chance to get to on the last episode about. Uh, so we've all been reading Men, Women, and Chainsaws by Carol Clover. And if you've not read it, it is a great book. Uh, it is absolutely a must read for any horror fan. But Dan and I might have cursed copies, especially me, because I could not find my copy. It was like, all right, I know that I have it. I know that I have it. Where is it? Just, ah, I went through all of my bookshelves like two or three times. It's like, I know that I have this book. I have an app that tells me that I have this book. Couldn't find it. Couldn't find it. And then finally, I started thinking like, wait a second. 
I might have taken this book with me when my second son was being born, which <laughs> is awesome that I did have this book in the hospital with me when my son was being born. But it meant that when I got home, I did not shelf it with the rest of the books because, you know, I, I had a newborn and I forgot. When I finally remembered, like, oh, right, that's where it is in, uh, in my office, uh, I, I have way too much crap piled up. And so I got the book, and as I was trying to step over all of the crap, I gashed my leg on a metal and glass uh, shadow box. It gets better. That has my grandfather's, like, old African hunting knife and the boutonniere that I wore at his funeral. And when I see that it gashed, like it took a chunk out of my leg and I was like, oh my goodness, could this be any more haunted? <laughs> At which point Dan was like, oh yeah, I can't find my copy either. What's going on? Of course, since you're talking about it, I can't find my copy. And I asked him if, uh, if he had checked near any totemic objects that demand a blood sacrifice. And Dan, where did you look? Well, I, I think of objects that, you know, need sacrifice. So I automatically think of Furbies, uh, that, that wonderful toy from the 90s, that uh, because uh, my fiance and I are both big nerds, she still has her original Furby sitting on like a shelf next to a, a gizmo, you know, plushie. So I, I've, I've got 14 bookcases scattered throughout our house and... I am very, very specific about where I keep all my books. I, I have my Hollywood section. I've got, you know, it's practically organized by the Dewey Decimal System in my house. <laughs> so I went up as a joke and took a picture of the Furby to send them. So I'm like, oh, yeah, I've, I've got my blood-seeking deity right here. And as I turned around and looked at the bookshelf behind me, which is my kind of beat writer's bookshelf. It's like Chuck Palahniuk, William Burroughs, Lenny Bruce, Henry Rollins, those, that type of writer. There's my copy of Men, Women, and Chainsaws sitting there, and I have <laughs> no idea how it ended up there. The I Furby Man. There. I would have never put it there. I would have made the trek to put it back downstairs on the shelf that it belongs to, but <laughs> it somehow appeared there. I'm guessing it's because I left it somewhere I shouldn't have at the fiancé and her willingness to deal with my my ways just put it somewhere on the shelf knowing that if the dog ate it i would cry so she put it somewhere he couldn't get it but she will not fess up to that now she is now fully <laughs> telling me that it was the furby's dark magic that made it appear so. it was the furby's dark magic yeah or all the ghosts of all the non-final girls who are like <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> this is what I get for being a middle-aged white man and not paying attention to the books about women that are important. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. So, uh, yeah, we, we had a lot of fun with that, but I, I felt like uh, y'all would especially appreciate that story, uh, you know, con considering Hellbender and having the book that, you know, drew all of the magic and had all of the... Uh, had had all of the the tales to be told within it. God, and I'm still wishing for it. Goes wherever it wants. That's the book. <laughs> it goes where it wants. Yeah, <laughs> wherever it's needed. Ah, uh, yeah. So, final girls. Um, actually, ooh, wait, no. Before we get into final girls, um, let's talk just a little bit about your upcoming project. I know that you might not be able to get into too much but you have been sharing a little bit on social media. 
what can you tell us about your current project? Because from the looks of it, it looks like a 30s-ish period piece. And so I can only hope that it was like a a gangster family that (laughs) died during a, a heist that went wrong. And so now they are a ghost gangster family that rather than robbing banks, they're robbing souls. Please Ooh. tell me that's what the movie is about. Man, you just made well, maybe we well, should we'll just put start that resho- on the background. Right, maybe we should <laughs> just start reshooting a little bit. <laughs> we just have to fix a couple things. Yeah, that's it. Awesome, awesome. <laughs> so on board. Hey, you're very close. It's, it's super close. Um, I don't know if that's awesome or unsettling. We are making a movie called When the Devil Roams, and oh, we're about great title. Oh, thank you. Uh, we love it. And and we're about 70% kind of done. But it's uh, the quick pitch or whatever. We don't have to pitch because we're not because we're doing it. So we're not pitching it to anybody. But the quick the quick uh, rundown is that it's a family of artistic serial killers that are on the carny circuit in the 1930s. Mm. And um, they run into some problems and the daughter is put the pieces back together and keep the family going. So it's cross between Bonnie and Clyde meets Frankenstein with a large dose of family love. Nice. Sounds awesome. Yeah, I was getting a definite Todd Browning vibe from all that and love that era. It's so fun. It has been so fun to make. And we I have this wonderful, first of all, you're from Maine, so you would understand this. It's like things stay for a long time. Like the 30s are still here. There's still houses that look like they're from the 30s. There's still cars sitting in farmer's fields and tractors from the 30s. Like Mm -hmm. it doesn't, things stay, things sit and stay. And so we're capturing that stuff that's still around here. And I grew up in an old farmhouse from the 1800s and it's filled Mm -hmm. with kind of junky ass beat up antiques and cool knives and meat cleavers and barber's chairs and all these things that now we're utilizing in this movie and it's as if they've been sitting around waiting to be filmed and i've grown up with them so they're a part of my life and they're a part of zelda's life and part of lulu's life and a part of toby's life and so this movie is just asking to be made and in essence it's kind of been asking to be made for a long time so it's really exciting. We we like to say that we're just trying to keep up with it. <laughs> no, that I I am totally on board for that. I get exactly what you mean. We have in in Maine here all over the place. There's like abandoned locomotives. Yeah, just where there's not even tracks anymore, but were once eighty years ago. But they just left the train there and the tracks yeah. that it's sitting on, and then everything else around it has moved on. And yeah, houses that you take of the wrong dirt road and there's just all these old houses that no one's lived in for 50 years but they still stand up yeah Very and there's cool. abandoned buildings with still the the the, the linoleum from the 20s and mm-hmm. the you know the wainscoting from the turn of the century it's just really cool and we're very lucky that we're able to utilize all that stuff because you know you guys know we don't have any money really but 
that production value is just sitting here in the Catskills. It's just sitting here. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's, it's, we don't have to go spend money to get it. We just got to turn our camera on and film it. Wonderful. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's such uh, an air of authenticity to things like that too, because it's, you know, the best you, you can spend a lot of money remaking that in a studio, but it, it's never the same. Yeah. And, and another cool thing is that we live. So where we live is very remote. I'm sure it's just like you in Maine. We don't even have stripes on our roads. So they, they, it's like a road in the 1930s. It's not like there's nothing from modern times that we have to get rid of or like take out or worry about. Like, yeah. like even the telephone poles, some of them are probably 80 years old. So it's like, mm-hmm. you know, obviously there's some new ones, but the roads look old. The the guardrails are ancient and non-existent. So it's, bridges bridges are another. Yeah, one. We, yeah, we live. Great point. We live right next to a wooden bridge. A wooden bridge. Mm-hmm. It's 130 yeah. years old. Our iron bridge, the metal bridge, the modern one, is probably a <laughs> hundred years old. So it's like, <laughs> yeah. it's, it's it's really really cool. Yeah, I cannot wait to see that when it eventually comes out. And of course, we're going to be reviewing it and having you back on to discuss it <laughs> because you're all are fun to talk about, uh, talk with about things. My brain really is working. I swear that it is. I'm just <laughs> tired, guys. I didn't make coffee tonight. That was a bad idea. Um, I know. All right. So, so yeah, that sounds absolutely amazing. And and again, I cannot wait for us to dive uh, more into that, especially based off of our last conversation with you when we talked about how much of yourselves you tend to put into your movies and how even though they are all so wildly different, they all feel so just genuine and heartfelt and just a little fucked up in the best possible way. Hopefully so, a lot of <laughs> So let's talk about Final Girls. Uh, Dan and I talked about this a little bit on the last episode, but uh, we want to get your responses to this as well. When you hear the term Final Girl, what do you think? Like, what is the first thing that comes to mind when you think Final Girl? Well, I guess the first thing that comes to mind will be what I consider classic Final Girls. We're talking like Laurie Strode, um, you know, from classic slasher flicks. But I do feel that there's a kind of modern Final Girl that's kind of going on these days. And even, dare I say, Final Boys, you know. Mm -hmm. Um, So, but, but originally, but, you know, upon first hearing it, I'll think of something like, Laurie Strode or um, even like Ellen Ripley, um, Alice from, uh, you know, Friday the 13th. Uh, but Ripley, I think, is, is kind of a different from Laurie Strode. But I, I think of those class, those 70s and 80s films mm-hmm. or heroines. John, what about you? What's the first thing that you think of? Yeah, I mean, I, I just go right to Halloween. <laughs> yeah, I love that. That's pretty much the unanimous. Like everyone goes to Laurie. <laughs> yeah. So, but but I have come because we're in the horror world and and we love horror. That like I now know that or uh, uh, the whole just like what Toby said. Now the idea of what a final girl is is becoming a hell of a lot more complex and a lot more fun and a lot more interesting. And in fact, maybe some of the final girls are now becoming the villains themselves. Yeah, well, and that's exactly uh, what we're going to be talking about tonight is, you know, like 
we spent a lot of time in the last episode <laughs> talking about like what is a traditional final girl and along with uh with those examples we also talked about it being someone that survives you know someone who does make it to the end even though they don't always you know generally makes it to the end uh we talked about like the trauma that they have to go through to actually get there we talked about that resilience some of the 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 resourcefulness to actually overcome things to be a survivor and fight back rather than just existing um and that's one of the reasons that we really wanted to talk about it uh this month and rather than focusing on a specific movie to kind of start diving into some of these themes because of the importance of um you know like gender roles and because of things like sexism and it's like because of all of this other stuff happening in society and how great horror is at reflecting the worst parts of society in a way to try to make things better question mark sometimes also to give people hope um and and so so yeah like with some of those changing gender norms with some of the uh the different uh stereotypes like with all of the things that are changing in society what are some of the changes that that you see happening within horror within final girls within the modern context uh so i'm gonna see if i'm gonna go toby's gonna be far wiser about this kind of stuff but i see i would go like for me like I think a final girl is the witch and the witch herself. And it's because at the end of the movie, like this girl goes through the, a ton of abuse. Now is she, it's a really interesting movie because in the witch for a long time, you're not really sure whether it's the classic, um, uh, like evil imposed on her or whether they're right. And she's a, a witch. Right. And so that's really cool. And so she goes through, that character goes through this whole arc, just like a lot of the final, the, the classic 70s and 80s final girls go through their arc. They're pushed to the limits. Everything goes wrong. They do everything they can to survive. The same thing happens in The Witch. But in the end, she is a witch. <laughs> and it's like, so she's, that to me, that's the fun new thing is like, taking the final girls and making them like twisting it all around. So you're like, holy crap, that was pretty wild. I just went through this whole thing. And the final girl is actually the witch that, you know, <laughs> they were persecuting for being. Because she chooses to be one. It's a better choice. You know, mm -hmm. I think then than actually not being a witch and being being accused of one when she's not. Then she's like, and you know what? While I'm at it, looks kind of fun to be a witch. I just want to have something sweet to eat. Yes. You know, I do want to dance naked around a, a fire and levitate. You know, I mean, it's like I mean, who doesn't want to do that? Me up, please. Yeah. <laughs> and the devil has some hot boots. <laughs> and butter. Uh, yeah, yes. no, the witch. Yeah, the witch made my my list for for those very same reasons. Is she spends this entire movie just her dad is domineering. Her mother can't wait to get rid of her because you know she thinks she stole her beloved cup. Those little twins are just freaky. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I I wouldn't want to be around them anymore either. After their, all their little witch songs that they sing at her and her brother despite having the best of intentions most of the times is still kind of sketchy around her. And as that entire family unit breaks down, 
what other option does she have at that point? But to say, you know what? Sure. I'm going with this because she's probably, I mean, she's not going to survive in that, that wilderness on, on her own. I don't think, I mean, if her family couldn't pull it together because crops don't grow and, you know, babies disappear in the woods, but she, 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 she gives into the offer and that is what gives her agency in life for the first time in her life. She's not being told what she's going to be. She makes that choice. And I mean, the movie literally ends with her elevating her station in life. And it's such just a great moment and very unexpected the first time I saw it. So I almost expected it to be a little bit more. Is she, isn't she, you know, we'll leave it up to you. But Edgar's was like, nope, this is what she chose. She's a witch. Live with it. And I, I just love the boldness of that choice. Oh, yeah. I love that movie so much. Me too. I'm going to throw another one out there. Um, I love the character Danny from Midsommar and would say that she's an interesting choice for a final girl because she is the survival of all the visitors, you know, the outsiders who come to the, whatever you call it, the retreat. Um, and, uh, and she assumes great power in the end. Um, you know, she, including like giving the final yay as opposed to nay to like burning her her boyfriend, you know, in a bear carcass and 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 um, and being elevated too by the people, you know, winning the Mayflower or whatever her, it's called the May Queen. Um, man, I love that character. And I really love that that film. So I would say she's an interesting and new kind of final girl as well. Um, yeah. So I love the fact that uh, the initial ones that all of you thought of were on that folk and witch side of things, because that was actually something that I had as sort of like the uh, like the main focus that we were going to build up to in the episode. But let's just dive straight there. Uh, at, after, well. In one second. So some of the ones that I think of are um, like, and I mentioned this a little bit on the last episode, but things like The Shining and Babadook, where it's less of like a final girl in in the traditional sense of the last one to survive, but more of all of the trauma of the entire movie is focused on one person so like you don't get to see all of the the trauma spread out across multiple people it is laser focused on just this one person and i realized that that's not technically a final girl because it does lack some of the uh, the other components in terms of being the final girl if they're the only girl but for me one of the things that uh, that really highlights what a final girl is is being able to survive that trauma and be stronger at the end of it and um, people like uh, the the mom in the Babadook or uh, Wendy Torrance, I think, are definitely resilient and able to survive. But uh, yeah, getting back to things, I love the fact that both of you or that all of you went with folk horror and witches, because that's one of the things that I really wanted to focus on with traditional final girls tend to be a little bit more. And a lot of this, again, comes from uh, Men, Women and Chainsaws, where it's looking at the the gender roles of the final girl um, it's sort of like being a, a ca- uh, castration fear where, you know, like a lot of the instruments that the monster uses are very phallic in representation. 
and the final girl either takes over whatever that phallic weapon is or does something to uh to you know emasculate the monster by taking away his his weapon but in witch movies in in exploitation in folk horror there's so much more focus on just the power of the woman period like rather than this person is is weak and has to overcome things and be more manly in their power there's so much folk horror and so much witchy horror that focuses on yeah no fuck the patriarchy yeah let's just talk about the power of women and one of the ones that i was thinking that really started me down this path was suspiria in part because i was listening to goblin when i was reading the book but i was like oh my god first off the soundtrack for Suspiria is amazing. The the cinematography, oh my god, it is just such a fucking beautiful film. I adore it so much. But that movie is very, very, very Final Girl. But seeing both the, uh, so the seeing some of the frailty of the main character, and I don't have it pulled up, so I don't remember her name right now. But then also just all of the power of all of those witchy dancers. It's just like. Yes, of course, this is a great representation of the female power, but also society's view of why women are weak, but why society is wrong, question mark. So, uh, yeah, let's let's talk about some witchy movies and some folk horror movies and some hagsploitation, because I recognize that is not technically a final girl, but also, oh, come on, it's totally a final girl. I mean, how is it not, right? I I actually didn't have Argento Suspiria on my list, but I had the, the newer one, uh, Guada, Guadagnino, I can never pronounce his name correctly, uh, the newer Suspiria. I had that on my list because Dakota Johnson is so good in that film. I love in that film how they use, how she uses her body as an instrument of power. And like you said, it's it is essentially a slasher film. The the witches are are taking care of business and and getting rid of the ones that they don't feel are are able to take on the power of Mother Mother Suspiria, and <laughs> she yeah she oh. I was I, first time I watched that film I expected to completely hate it and that film it blew me away with how how good that is and when. Tilda Swinton isn't the most dominate, dominating actor in a film. It always surprises me. Yeah, um, yeah. And at the end, it's sort of like a coven of, you know, when the dance at the end is like, it's just like a, a, a coven of, of, oh. you know, of, of wit. I mean, bodies in motion. It's, it's, it's really yeah. cool. That scene is mesmerizing. <laughs> it's, yeah, you watch that with someone who's who's not used to seeing that type of thing on screen, and their face is just like I I don't know what I just I was able I was lucky enough to catch that in a theater, and I would bet seventy percent of the audience did not know what they were in for, and it was just like <laughs> stunned silence after that ending. It was great. So well, you know, what I want to mention something about you know you were talking about witches and everything, and I would say what comes to mind when I think of. I, I love the idea of, of witches as being a wonderful kind of uh, final girl because when you think of the movies you talked about, um, we talked about Midsummer, uh, The Witch, uh, The Babadook, which was which is on a list that I have too to talk about. I love that film. None of those women were like like killed the monster like in a, in a classic sense with like you say, 
the classic, uh, you know, taking up the knife and the, the you know, um, demasculizing, uh, you know, the, the monster. Um, but it is all about like the power. And also I would, and I would say a lot of, um, you know, and a lot of in the, when I think of the classic final girls, a lot of those final girls, there's, there's a bit of like, you know, uh, the terror and, and they're, and they're running and they're screaming and they're, ah, you know, whereas these modern final girls are kind of really have a lot of control or agency is the good word mm -hmm. that, that you both were using because I don't think it's kind of enough just to survive, you know, mm -hmm. like, like, Oh, I won. I victory. My victory is here because I, I survived, but they're surviving like covered in blood and like completely traumatized, you know, and it's sort of like, well, where in a sense is the, is, is, is the victory there? Whereas these, these modern, um, Final Girls, heroines we're talking about in these three films um, or four films, it's all about like um, power, and that's mm -hmm. much more uh, long, you know, lingering than just like I, I you know, I killed the killer. Yeah, uh, one, of the, one of the films I all I picked because uh, you know I picked like forty different films here, <laughs> uh, but uh, Betty Gilpin in The Hunt. I thought was is a great example of kind of that turning the tables on the oppressors. Um, because she was picked for a very specific reason to be hunted. Although, ha ha has everyone seen it? I don't want to spoil things. Uh, I have not. That's I the one that just I came out a couple it. years ago, right? Or th yes. uh, came out within the last couple years. Okay. Republicans I'll be, I'll be, I'll be very light with my touches here, but yeah. Um, the, the the basic premise: of, the commercials did not do it justice, nor did the the right wing outrage understand what was being made fun of. Right. Uh, but it's it's essentially yes, a bunch of leftists are picking up people that the de picking up the deplorables to to hunt. Um, this film takes the piss at both political sides of the spectrum. No one is safe. It, it's the satire is great, but they accidentally picked a woman played by uh what is she? i wrote her name down in the film her name is crystal in the film and she's played by betty gilpin they got the wrong woman they basically thought they were picking this you know karen type of woman and turns out they just it's someone with the same exact name but it's the wrong person and she's she's kind of like almost like ex-special forces and she just goes about Oh, wow. taking care of business so matter-of-factly and there's some great scenes where she's just like you're you're all fucked you're all stupid you may whatever i'm doing what i can to get out of this and if you're in my way i'm going to murder all of you um and it's just it's it's so much fun because it's film that is very tongue-in-cheek but yet betty gilpin is as serious as a heart attack in it and that woman means business. And for those of you might, who might have just seen her in uh, that gorgeous ladies of wrestling Netflix show, she is yeah. brutally badass in this movie. I, I would totally believe she could kick my ass any day of the week. That's so awesome. that actually makes me think because uh, I didn't realize that she had that history. The character in the movie had the history of, you know, like being ex-military and all this other stuff. Um, but that reminded me of Your Next, the film by uh, Adam Wingard, which I don't love the film. I have some issues with it, but I only have issues like with the first half for various reasons. If we ever do a full review of it, 
I'll <laughs> get into some of my complaints. Uh, a lot of it is like it's just, it, it's kind of like the the mumble core where like everything is just super soft. Anyways, not what we're focusing on. What we're focusing on is uh, I forget the actual character. I want to say Aaron's is Sherry it Aaron? Vincent. Okay, yeah. So so Aaron played by Sherry Vinson is like just the the new girlfriend of uh, one of the guys in the family. And I don't want to spoil too much about the movie, even though at this point it is 11 years old and you could probably guess things relatively early on, but it is a home invasion uh, slasher style film. And uh, Aaron, Sherry Vincent's character is just a badass throughout. Like when the house starts getting attacked, uh, she is responding with, all right, here's what everyone needs to do. And they all just kind of look at her like, wait, what? because she was new to the family or you know like a new girlfriend and no one really knew that much about her and the the way that the tables are turned and the way that um that she kind of takes all of those final girl tropes and is just like yeah no i don't need to like become empowered to be the final girl i'm already gonna kick your fucking ass i love it overall i love this movie like when i got to the end despite all the problems that i had with various technical things throughout it i got to the end and there was just such a almost like a scream of excited laughter of just how much i love how the movie ends so uh yeah if you've not seen your next there's some technical issues with it but Oh my God. I love how that movie left me feeling at the end. So good. It's a, it's a final girl home alone. Yes. <laughs> it really is. Also, it has AJ Bowen and I just love AJ Bowen. He is great in everything that he is in. Well, I gotta, I gotta bring up a movie that we just watched recently just to do some horror movie research because it's the like I hadn't thought about it, but now that we're talking about it, it's the final girl movie, yeah. which is the, the Descent, because oh, yes. every single character in that movie is a final girl, and they just get stripped away one by one mm-hmm. until finally we're left with two. And what's really fun about the Descent that I so the first time I saw the Descent when closer to when it first came out, uh, everyone was you know all the characters were were pretty simple to me there was a good girl there was a bad girl there was a bunch of characters that kind of drove this story but the next when i just watched it recently i realized that i fell in love with the antagonist in so there's you know the it's the girl who cheated with the husband who got killed early in the movie right um I can't remember her name in the movie right now. But what was cool was, you know, the protagonist is the wife that's been, that had her husband that cheated on her. And the antagonist is this woman who brings them all to the cave in a way to find forgiveness and to face her demons and to go down into that, like, hell and ask for forgiveness. is kind of like, for me, that's what something I realized the metaphor was for. But the protagonist of the movie goes down into that place, but doesn't accept forgiveness. She doesn't forgive and forget. She she wants to keep that, that hatred and wants to keep that sadness alive, where the antagonist of the movie is is has made these mistakes. And even by bringing these people down into this unknown cave, so that they could all together like find forgiveness for 
like together they're going to find forgiveness. She brings them down there and, and, you know, finding forgiveness is a hard thing to navigate. It's very difficult. And so that cave is a great metaphor for it. And they go down to try to navigate something that's incredibly difficult and got a lot of blind spots and the forgiveness is not given. And so at the end of the movie, you have the two final girls. You have the protagonist and the antagonist, and they've both made it to the end. Everyone else in the, in the splunking party has been killed. And it's just the two of them left. And when the protagonist takes her, her climbing axe and she rears it back, the antagonist doesn't flinch. And once one more time says, okay, I'm going to accept my punishment because I'm looking for forgiveness. This whole movie is about me trying to find forgiveness and owning up to my mistakes. Mm-hmm. And the protagonist does something awful. She doesn't give her forgiveness by taking her out of her misery. She hits her in the leg so that her torture can continue. Yep. And I find th- I didn't see that the first time. I was like, good, hit that bitch in the leg and let her get eaten <laughs> by zombies. But this time I was like, you know what? The protagonist is a dipshit. Mm-hmm. And I really like the antagonist. Like mm-hmm. she's accepted responsibility for all her actions, no matter how stupid they were. She relentlessly tries to fix her mistakes. Where the one that we I rooted for the first time, I realize is kind of weak, almost like the classic final girl. She's the one who gets caught in the cave. She's the one who's screaming. She's the one who's looking around corners terrified. But the antagonist isn't terrified. Mm-hmm. She's facing up to the darkness. When there's something in the distance, she goes, I mean, in, in, the, in the darkness, she goes to look for it with fists at the ready. Mm-hmm. And so for me, that's, I think that was done uh, quite a while ago, like 2010 or even before. Uh, I'm trying to remember. And 2000. 2005. Two, yeah, so there you go, 2005. And I feel. <laughs> I'm sure, you know, for me, it was ahead of its time in a lot of ways. And I would say even in the whole idea of what a final girl was to become, I think that the descent is a great example of where we're, where we're going and where we're going to continue to be going because it's, it is complex. It's a, it's a phenomenal take on that movie. Again, this is one of my favorite movies of the past 20 or so years. And I've never quite looked at it that way, but you're, you're right because because of the protagonist's you know hubris neither nobody ever finds the the light you know at the end of the tunnel the forget you know the forgiveness they're they're left to be buried in the darkness because she couldn't get get past that i mean i guess it depends on if you're walk which ending you're watching too i prefer the ending where she, she she's left in the cave that's what i was um, just about to say is i love uh i i love that look on the movie within the context of both endings and so the descent is weird because first off i love that movie it is probably one of my all-time favorite horror movies if you have never watched it in a pitch black room with headphones on uh do that because it's going to be one of the most terrifying experiences ever so much more terrifying than surround sound 
because uh, when you have headphones on, you can't hear anything else. So, you know, like if you're watching the movie and uh, your wife comes into the room and taps on your shoulder and you're going to just freak the fuck out because you did not hear her come in. Let me tell you, that's a great experience. All right. So I, I absolutely adore The Descent. I love, love the British ending where she stays. Spoilers for a movie that's 17 years old. The one where she stays in the cave is the original British ending, correct? Yeah. Right. Yeah. That's the ending that I think is better. However, this is one of the few movies that I feel like both endings are part of the movie because you have her being stuck in the cave. And I feel like that's a much darker movie and a much more realistic movie to the trauma that she is going through and how she does not ever escape that trauma. But then you also have her escaping the cave and like moving past that trauma and being able to get back into the light and, and continue on with her life after having forgiven and forgiven herself and worked through everything. And it's one of the few movies that I feel like you need to actually watch both endings and kind of keep both of them in your head and almost like a sliding doors esque movie of <laughs> it's both like th- this is a very um, uh, uh, Schrodinger's cat of like maybe she's alive. Maybe she's miserable. I don't know. Both happen depending on how she views herself as well as how the outside world views her. And yeah, I, I love that take on, uh, on on her not working through forgiveness. That's uh yeah, that's a, that's a good one. Uh, I think I'm going to skip tomorrow and rewatch the descent again. Now. Yeah, uh, you, you should <laughs> use one of my sick days. Uh, <laughs> uh, now I have to watch it with that viewpoint. There was another movie that I've been trying to find and I still can't find it. I'm going to keep looking uh, once we start talking about another one. But I, I saw it th- four years ago, three or four years ago, pre-pandemic. Um, and... I want to say that it was something like the, the Fae or the fairies or uh, it had something with Fae in it, I think. And um, it was quasi hunt esque in the sense that like uh, spoilers, but eh, whatever. This is this is the kind of movie that I don't feel like the spoilers at the ends are necessarily that important uh, because it's more about the discussion that you can have about the movie. The movie was okay but it was uh essentially about like a a rich just uh like almost a gambling ring of you know rich old white dudes that would kidnap women and they would kidnap both women and men the women were placed as final girls the men were placed as the killers and it was like they were just watching them sort of go at it and so the men you know who like whatever like had all these masks on and stuff to make them look much more like their traditional slasher if they could kill are you thinking of, are you thinking of the furies the furies yes okay. yes the more you described it the more it started to click yeah yes. so the furies um and dan if you don't have that pulled up on the imdb or letterbox if you could just to give some of those uh, additional movie details about it um but we'll it up but yeah, it is um, essentially like a gambling ring of the men are captured to be the slashers and the women are captured to be the final girls. And it's kind of like a battle royale of whoever can make it to the end. 
Um, but like each of the slasher men that was kidnapped is tied to each of the women. So like if, if one of the other slashers kills one of the girls, then they have this thing around their neck that kills the slasher who was supposed to kill them. It's again, it's a fine movie in terms of the movie itself, but like all of the things that could be discussed about it in terms of how it's not just about gender roles, but it's also about uh, class uh, division and how like initially you're like, yeah, go women, kick their ass. Like you're so rooting for them. It's like, oh man, all of these men are terrible until you realize that the men are also part of the ones who are being captured and part of the ones who are being victimized but they're just being victimized in a way that is playing much more into uh, again some of those traditional gender roles and it i know that i've already said this like three times and so it's bordering on sounding like i don't think the movie is good but it's it's a fine movie with a ton to discuss i recommend checking it out but I very, very much recommend watching it with people that you can then like crack open a few bottles of wine and just get into a super in-depth discussion with it because that's what I feel like the, the crux of the movie is. Um, and, and Dan, did you pull up some of the details about, you know, like when it came out, who made it, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. Uh, we literally need to do that sometimes because you're the only person, other person I know who's actually seen this besides myself. Yeah. Uh, so <laughs> it, it did not have a wide release that I know of. Uh, came out in 2019, written and directed by Tony DeQuino or DeQuino. Um, currently uh, streaming on AMC Plus for those interested. Oh, but yeah. sounds a bit like Squid Games. I think it has a very similar vibe. Um, it is definitely a lot um, dirtier. Then it's it's very almost backwoods hillbilly esque oh, yeah. at times, but yeah, it's it's definitely got that. There's like a grand. There's someone controlling what's happening, and you're not just trying to survive the film. You're trying to figure out what is going on. Yeah. So, and at some point, turn the tables. Um, I mean, the 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 synopsis is very brief. It's just a woman is kidnapped and finds herself in an unwilling participant in a deadly game where women are hunted by masked men. So you actually did a better job of summarizing it than uh, IMDb did. So well done. <laughs> well, I was also giving probably some of the details that uh, people <laughs> don't want you to know because they, there is a lot of quote unquote mystery going into it. Like when you go into it, they're supposed to be more of like a what what's happening. Yeah. And for some movies, I think having the what's happening is a great way to draw you into it. This movie on its surface, it felt so formulaic and like the mm. opening scene is just like, all right, I've seen this movie before. Oh my god! Well, like if I remember right, the 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 opening is almost like straight out of Old Boy, doesn't she? Like crawl out of like a like a shipping container of some sort or something like that, or no? Chest? Like that's that's a ways into it. The opening scene okay. is just like a backwoods slasher. It's been a while. Yeah, the, the opening scene is a backwoods slasher just hunting down a girl and and killing her in just standards backwoods slasher form, and then. Uh, uh, the the main protagonist and her friend, like they're out drinking or they're out talking about how one of them doesn't take enough risks or they're out talking about how one of them wants to get sober. I don't remember, but they're having some sort of conversation about like there needs to be a, a major change in their life to be a better person. And then, yeah, then she gets kidnapped and crawls out of a shipping container and you're like, what's going on here? 
But yeah, it, it's the kind of movie that I think benefits from a little bit more of a, all right, here's what's up. It's not going to be a groundbreaking movie, but lots to discuss within the context of, you know, like meta and <laughs> postmodern uh, slasher girls. I have a two unconventional um, final girls who are actually kind of play both roles. They're sort of the final girl and they're the 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 killer. And I have to mention the same breath because it's the same director. But uh, Julia de Curnow's, um Raw, and then have you seen Titan? I've yeah. missed both of those. I know, Dan, I know. <laughs> well, they're incredible. And her those characters... Um, <coughs> in both films are very complex because they're you know in a sense they're the final girl and that they they go through um you know they find great strength in in you know in the one finding her identity as well i don't want to ruin it for you now because but uh, I, I don't care about spoilers if the experience is still like okay so we did an entire episode on this unless the entirety of the experience is tied up in the reveal then to me it doesn't spoil it it just slightly shifts it and also even though dan and eric somewhat disagree with me if the entirety of the experience is tied up in the reveal then it's not necessarily that good of a movie because if i can't enjoy it on a rewatch then is it really that good so for me you don't have to wor- worry about spoilers for our audience skip oh, ahead. you do and it, it breaks your rules yeah, it breaks both your rules there because we don't want to tell you it, the ending. And I don't and want to tell you Titan either because it's so fucking weird. Yeah. And I don't want to get in the way of your weirdness. It, it, I think if we almost here's, here's, here's what we'll do. Plot of Titan, be like, I don't even know how it gets there. Well, Dan, um, you've seen Titan. Uh, listeners, yeah. take about like a two or three minute break. I'm going to take off my headphones so that y'all can talk about it and I can't hear it. And then just come give me some sort of visual cue when to come back in. So yeah, right. you don't have to worry. You can get into it. No, I, I, I didn't consider her. Uh, what was her name? Uh, the actress in Titan, um, Agatha Roussel. I didn't think of her as a final girl, but she definitely fits the, the, the mold of both the final girl. Because, I mean, she's obviously... Um, I'm looking for the right word here. There are people who obviously want to possess her, I guess is probably the best word, whether it just be those who view her as a sex object or those who just let, you know, like the idea that she's a, a car girl. I don't really know that culture all that well, but I know that there are pretty girls who show up and, uh, they're there specifically to draw people in because they're so beautiful. And, and, I, she does twist that completely by being at times the hunter as opposed to the hunted. But then you get to see, I mean, at, at the twist that I certainly didn't see coming um, when she takes on that new identity, you, you get to see that, that, that frailty of her, that she's really searching for an identity yeah. and for a sense of belonging. Oh man, that's a great way to think of that film now. she's just so complicated and in raw as well the character the girl is which did you realize she has the same name in raw and titan 
I did not. The actress <laughs> has the same name in both films. That's cool. And, uh, you know, the characters are named exactly the same. Yeah, in Raw as well, she's um, she's neat because she's, she, you know, it's a coming-of-age story. It's a finding-your-identity story. But she's also, um, you know, also one of the hunters as well. And, uh, and in the end kind of embraces and is more empowered because she kind of owns it. And especially with the help of her family, you know, with mm -hmm. her sister and her mother helping her. I just love that filmmaker. I think she's so gutsy and, and she doesn't give a shit. Mm -hmm. Whatever. Oh yeah, she she does not definitely make films for whatever the critics are going to say about <laughs> it because yeah. I, I I'm still stunned that they premiered that at con. I, I wish I could have seen that initial reaction of the crowd. Just and to, what right and yeah what? Yeah. And, yeah yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, I mean, because twenty years ago, people thought David Lynch was too weird when he when he did. Um, the second Twin Peaks film there, and oh, Wild at Heart, when he premiered Wild at Heart there. And those films have nothing on Titan as far as weirdness. And when you can out-weird David Lynch, that's just terribly impressive to me. Yeah, it's it's definitely, when I was done with Titan, I was like, I looked at Toby, I'm like, I know I've never seen anything like that before. I'm not really sure what I just watched. Yeah. I'm not ready to rewatch it yet, but I will. Yeah, so I'm not going to rewatch it right now. That's for damn sure. And yeah, that's maybe, a good thing. Yeah, and after only making two films, I'm like, I will watch anything that woman makes for the rest of my life because it's going to be such a unique film whenever she does it. Um, I, I, specific, I specifically bought myself a region-free Blu-ray player so I could get the Second Sight um, UK disc of Raw, which is just loaded with features compared to like the bare-bones disc we got in America, so... I'm, I'm that level of nerd for that film. I, I would have dropped on a region free player just so I could watch the special features on that movie. On which movie? On Raw. Oh, on Raw. Oh, yeah. 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 Second Sight UK put out a, a beautiful, like, I think it's a two-disc set, loads of, like, commentaries and all these extras that we did not get on the U.S. version. So, uh, So I've got a fun Final Girls for you guys that's just a weird one. Yes. And this is a movie that had a big effect on us, uh, especially me and Zelda. Actually, only me and Zelda, because did you see it? I don't know which one you're going to talk about. The Golden Glove? Oh, yeah. No, I love it. Okay. Mm. I saw it separately. Yeah. Uh, have you ever seen The Golden Glove? I have no. not. Okay. It's a German movie, and it's dirty and brutal and vicious. And when you're done with it, you're going to smell like cigarettes and schnapps. But <laughs> cheap cigarettes and cheap schnapps. So I'm just going to warn you. I didn't recommend it. I just told you you should watch it. <laughs> and we love it. But it's brutal. And um, there is a final girl in there that's really, really interesting. They use her in a classic final girl way. And it's about a serial killer. That's, you can read about that um, in Germany. And it actually is based on truth. Um, but they take liberties because it's a movie. But um, they bring in this character that is the classic, beautiful, young final girl that has tons of sex appeal and she's sweet and innocent and dancing on the dangers of, you know, what a final girl usually is. And they use her exceptionally well, not just in the regular drama, but in some dream sequences. But 
in the end, she's a modern final girl because you keep expecting her to be the victim of this gnarly, nasty serial killer, but she never is. She's always, she just floats through the circumstances in this wonderfully beautiful poetic way. And in the end of the movie, this isn't a spoiler really because she doesn't get final, you know, she makes it. So she is a final girl. And when you watch it, I, I really loved your guys' opinion on it. Either you're gonna be like, oh my God, yeah, that was a, kind of a masterpiece. Or you're gonna say, I can't believe that you recommended that to me. <laughs> oh no, I'm, I'm, I'm looking at the stills on IMDb and I'm like, this dude has like Dwight Schrute glasses and super <laughs> sweaty hair stuck to his head. I'm he's all for really this. young and good looking in real life. The actor. Oh, incredible. Yeah, his his actual IMDb photo. Yeah, he's a handsome fellow, but man, they they creeped him right up good. Well, <laughs> what's really exceptional about the the movie is that um the women in it are all over Toby's age. They're and he uses real it's not like like Hollywood actresses or German Hollywood actresses. They're very 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 real women and their acting is exceptional and their physical acting is really exceptional. Now they are not final girls because they do not. Oh, actually one of them. Yeah. It's, Oh my God. It's great because that's a real final girl movie because there's, I think four or five characters that come in and out and some of them make it. And it's really interesting how the ones that make it, make it, they all make it through the serial killers clutches in different ways and some don't so i it, if you want to talk about final girls that's that really complicates the subject because they're not final girls they're final older women mm. a bunch of them it's really a, a right final dames yeah final dames final <laughs> dames i like that <laughs> that hey, needs that's, to be that's, a that's actually it would be right since there. it's a german movie it'd be final frau <laughs> <laughs> wouldn't that be frownal girls Fraulein, Fraulein is young, but a Frau would be. These are the women in this movie. Mostly are are final Fraus. There we go. Well, uh, I, I just rented it on Vudu while we were talking, so it's cool. Have you? Technology guys- is wonderful, man. Right. Good luck with it. I really. You're gonna be like, holy crap! Send so, me an email. Right. From Please what? Tell yes. me your, you know, one to ten. What do you What do you give it? The production, like value, the art, you know. <clears throat> is so good. Um, have you guys seen the movie uh, Girl with All the Gifts? Yes. Have, have, Sadly, have no, I have not. Okay, I'm going to keep it. Uh. How about I, the, <laughs> some of my favorite modern final girls are um, are not your typical white final girl. Like, I love, mm-hmm. um, and then that's one of them, but I also love, like, Lupita Nyong'o's yes. uh, character in Little Monsters. Yes, um, I mean, that, that movie has... makes me so unreasonably happy. I don't know why. <laughs> I... <laughs> she she's so bright and sunny, and there's just something about a kid, like a kindergarten teacher, taking on hordes of the undead while playing a ukulele. Oh, that movie! Oh, that movie it makes my heart One of my favorite modern final girls, um, and also, but also one of my favorite. But it's not that modern. These and this would have been maybe the late '90s, early 2000s. Twenty eight days later, Naomi Harris's character. She's yeah. one of the coolest final girls. 
Yeah. Such yeah, a I'm, I'm glad you brought up the girl with all the gifts because that's that's a sadly overlooked zombie film. I feel like, um, and another and complicated ba- final girl because she's yeah. she's a complicated person. Yeah, yeah, it's like is allowing her to live actually a a good thing. <laughs> you know, yeah. you're rooting for her to survive because she's so darn cute. But what will this do to the actual world if you know she she is dangerous? <laughs> Yeah. But so dang cute. <laughs> you could also read the book on that one, Eric. I mean, Nate, the book is really good. So speaking of cute and zombies and Final Girl, uh, Anna and the Apocalypse. Yeah, she's white, but it's such a cute movie. I I really enjoy that one. Uh, if if you've not seen it, it is a Christmas zombie uh, musical. It's pretty much all that you need to know. It's, it's great. I love it. Uh, so when you were talking about Golden Glove, it reminded me, from what little you said and from uh, the, the image on Letterboxd, it reminded me of Angst by Gerard, uh, sorry, Gerald Cargill, I think, <laughs> K-A-R-G-L, uh, from 1983. And if you've not seen that one, that movie, it's, I don't remember if there's a final girl or not, but just with it being, you know, German and serial killery it is it's just uncomfortable throughout uh it's it's based on a true story and it is um it, it's something to experience all right so there's two more that i wanted to mention uh before we have one last little conversation because i do want to keep track of time and not keep you too late so one of the ones that i wanted to mention because it just uh, so when we think about final girls um Again, we've mentioned a lot of slashers. We've mentioned a lot of like the witch and folklore, but there tend to not be as many like, you know, classic monster movies that have a final girl, mostly because those tend to have like the damsel in distress. But there is an exception and it's less of a classic monster movie and more of a remake of a classic monster movie. But Nosferatu the Vampire by Werner Werner Herzog, that movie is nowhere near as good as the original Nosferatu. Um, however, Lucy Harker, played by Isabel Ajani, she is just like a, a badass. And I, it, it has been ooh, probably a decade since I've seen that movie. But one of the few things that really stuck with me is Lucy kicks ass in, in Herzog's uh, Nosferatu. It's a much longer movie than it needs to be. It is very Werner Herzogia giving a, a Nosferatu, but if you've never seen it before, definitely worth checking out. Um, it is, uh, where's the runtime? Oh, wow. It's only, okay. It's only 107 minutes. It feels like it's a three hour movie. So <laughs> go in uh, expecting that, but it is definitely worth checking out. And then the last quasi traditional in terms of, the vast majority of the movie and the tropes that are leaned into. Um, oh, wait, no shit. This reminds me of, of another one that I just, I, I have to mention because I have to, uh, but most of the movie really leans into the traditional tropes of a final girl, but how things are resolved at the end is I think a very interesting take on, uh, on the final girl trope, but the Ranger by Jen Wexler is great i i love this movie it 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 only has a 5.1 on imdb and that is criminally underrated this movie is amazing it's it's a standard slasher kind of 
but not in, and I adore it. I don't want to give too much more than that because there's not that much more to talk about unless like we really dive into it. Uh, we've covered it a number of times on the podcast before, but, but yeah, if you've never seen the Ranger, absolutely check that out. It, it is, it would be a fun one once we're done recording tonight to toss that on and, and just have a blast. It is, it is a lot of fun. Uh, but that made me think of, and I want to make sure that I give credit to the person who actually made this movie because it is one of the, most unrelenting just assaults on on the senses uh the emotional senses um and i am bad at talking and looking for things here we go uh all right green room by jeremy saunier that movie (laughs) i don't remember the last time that i loved a movie so much but was just on edge the entire time not on edge with fear but on edge with i can't describe the appropriate emotion for how i felt watching green room it was it it was uncomfortable it was like the violence felt real and and graphic so like if someone got cut you felt it and ah spoilers question mark i did not feel like there was a release at the end of the movie like, you know how some movies, it gives you that tension the entire way through and you get to the end and you're like, oh, thank God. Green Room, I got to the end and I was like, I, no, no, unacceptable. No, that no, no. I, I feel like I need to watch this again to have some sort of release, but that's not going to make it any better. It's only going to intensify it. That yeah. movie is Green, Green Room is is terrifying. I'm definitely showing my age here because this this club is no longer in existence, but there used to be in the late eighties and uh, mid nineties in Boston, this club called the Rathskeller, which was a, you, everybody, you laced up your boots when you went in to see a show there. And I mean, I was freshman in college. So I, I was just going to every club I could seeing every band that I'd never heard of. Um, and there was a band called sick of it all, which, uh, New York, I, 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 Huh? New York Skins. Yeah. Um, I mean, that's, yeah. The the crowd was definitely not necessarily my crowd in its entirety. Uh, it it was a you know my my early you know early days of mosh pits were more everyone just kind of you know push each other around a little <laughs> bit and this is like pinwheeling with with the the, the kicks and. Um, this that show that they played in that little club there reminded like instantly took me back. To like that first feeling when I'm in that club where I'm like, I don't know if I should be here. I don't know if I'm going to make it out of here, but fuck, this is super cool. And I'll be able to tell the story <laughs> for 10 years about how I made it out of this club with my, with my head still on my shoulders um, and not any broken appendages. So yeah, sick of it all, sick of it all, sick of it all comes from the New York hardcore movement, like yeah. New York skins. And it's like, those bands and and that was just that was actually the second generation of that kind of thing. So when yeah. I watched Green Room, I felt the same thing. I we used to call it getting your head kicked in. And yeah, yeah. I was usually on the uh, on the getting your head kicked in side of it, which mm-hmm. meant that uh, the reason you had a skinhead was so people couldn't hold your hair and keep your head down so that they could kick your head in. Yeah. And, 
you know, we learned that pretty fast after getting your head kicked in. <laughs> and yeah. so when I watched um, Green Room, it, it definitely brought back those memories too. But I think beyond the violence of like, like you know, the kind of Nazi skin movement, um, beyond that, that we all know, like even even regular American knows, is I think what what really succeeds in Green Room is the undertones of like racist hatred, yeah, and the fact that it's um, it's it was uh, the organized Nazism just tucked under. It's just tucked under something. So this this cool band from California can show up. To and they, you know, they take this booking just because it's the couch tour, and they can make another extra hundred bucks before they go to a show that they really care about, right? But mm-hmm. what's cool is that when when you're in places like that, you have to be careful because you don't understand the depth of that. Like you don't understand, like maybe you didn't understand the depth of what was coming from the sick of it all crowd. Yeah, you know what I mean, like and. Oh, yeah. And this band, and that's why when, like, I think that's why we all feel the fear of why Green Room's so effective, because you realize it's not just kind of, you know, this racial Proud boy stuff and everything like that. It's also drug drug dealing. And so the depth of depravity is, is really deep in that group. And that's what mm-hmm. begins to be terrifying is um, that these, you know, cool band kids... They're just uh, just trying to, you know, get through their couch tour are stuck way out of they're just stuck in the deep end. Yeah. And the violence. You're right. The hand. I think it's the hand in the door. Mm -hmm. I think the best violence I've ever seen. It. Yeah. It is unrelentingly brutal, if not violence wise, emotion and tension wise. And and yeah, like when you were talking about like how deep it goes. I think that that's one of the things that, that maybe I didn't think about when I was watching it, but as you were saying, it was like, oh my God, yes, of course. It was the organized Nazism of it all. It wasn't just like, all right, here's a club of a bunch of Nazi punks, you know, uh, which, by the way, I love, love. I was so happy when the band in the movie was playing uh, um, Nazi punks. Nazi punks. Okay. Yeah. I was like, yes, yes, I love it. Um, and they thought it was funny too. And I thought it was funny and we all thought it was funny, but we didn't, nobody understood the depth of the bees nest mm-hmm. that they just threw a rock in. Yeah. And yeah. like, it's such a fun scene. But then when you realize like, oh wait, no, this isn't just like a bunch of, you know, dumb doped up skinheads. This is organized there. Right. Oh my God. They cannot escape. They, yeah, they, 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 they have escape, the right? They, they know which which members are minors and can you know take the charges that will eventually come about from this. Who's willing to get stabbed in order to you know make mm. the story real? And I mean that's that it makes uh, Imogen Poots a really interesting final girl because she's not part of the original group. Yeah, that oh, comes yeah. into that. She's already there. She's in that life. Maybe, maybe trying to get her way out of it. Kinda, her friend was definitely trying to get get her way out of it. And looks what happens to her. But here's a final girl who, in essence, is kind of part of the problem. And you're by the end of the film, you're like, you're kind of still rooting for her to survive. And that's one of yeah. the things about Green Room that is so different from so many other slashers. I'm sure that we've all seen a bunch of slasher films that like we root for the final girl and maybe we don't want some of the other characters to die, but are any of us really surprised when they do? 
even Dan, I know justice for Randy, even when Randy dies in scream Two, are we really that surprised? Like there's no real emotional weight. There might be that initial like, Oh, Oh, when, when like most of the other characters die because they're all just, you know, slasher fodder because you only care about the main final girl in green room. I was so emotionally invested in every single character that every single death in the movie fucking hit. And like, there was not a single person who did not make it out that I was like, Oh, well, yeah, of course they weren't going to make it. It was like, no, Oh God, are any of them going to make it out? I, and they just died in the worst ways. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it's not like getting stabbed by a slasher is a great way to die, but I mean, getting mauled by a dog, uh-huh. you know, is not a good way to go. Yeah. And, and- I got to just ask everyone here. I mean, was I the only one who just every single 30 seconds was like, how did they get Captain Jean-Luc Picard to do this movie? Yes. How did they get Captain Jean-Luc Picard to do this movie? This, yeah. this guy's getting killed by a bulldog. How did they get Captain Jean-Luc Picard? <laughs> I mean, that was, I, I, I was like, what an awesome guy. I fell in love with him in this movie because I was like, what a freaking awesome. He read the script and he's like, yeah, I'll do it. You know, <laughs> oh, I feel like he just wanted the opportunity to play a villain and someone went, here's the worst villain you could ever be. Yeah. In the dirtiest movie. In yeah. the dirtiest low-end movie. It's like, it's not like, like it, it, some Hollywood producer did not pitch that to him. I mean, maybe they did, but it didn't look like a Hollywood movie to me. No. I, yeah. Wh- whoever got him that script, good job. That guy earned <laughs> his money. Whoever, well, whoever got it to him earned it. He has yeah. incredible range. It's just, yeah, we're, we're also used to Captain Picard that we don't think about it. Um. Well, Especially because that came out during like his whole like happy time with Ian McKellen tour, (laughs) whereas like every day was a different Instagram post of those two being awesome, (laughs) and like oh he's going to do this movie at the same time. (laughs) The social media of those two, or with Patrick Stewart with his dogs, like it is one of the few bright spots in the world. Just any (laughs) time that you feel bad, look at a picture of uh, Sir Ian McKellen and Sir Patrick Stewart. They are just they they just make me happy. All right, so uh, the last thing, yeah, I think this is the last thing that I want us to talk about. Um, Toby, you mentioned this like towards the beginning of the episode about how one of the things about modern Final Girls is they don't always have to be girls. And uh, two of the movies that immediately come to mind are A Nightmare on Elm Street 2, which I adore, and the original Evil Dead with um with bruce campbell you know ash's character is very much the final girl of the movie and it's so weird to think of guys as final girls because like they're absolutely playing the trope but it feels so different when a guy is in that role um and and it got me thinking especially with things you know uh like transgender about whether or not there has ever been a trans final girl and if not there needs to be there needs to be a horror film with a trans final girl because i because there needs to um i I don't really have much of a question with that it's more of just you know you brought that up at the beginning that's something that i did want us to talk about is some of again like those gender norms of like no but the final girl it needs to be the girl but why question mark yeah, you know, what What made me think of it when I mentioned that earlier were two movies. One is, have you seen um, 
the boy behind the door? I have yes. not seen that yet. No. It's a young boy, and he's, if, if there's ever a final girl, it's this little boy, you know? And his kind of friend. Yeah. Um, you know, that's in the classic sense. But also, and this isn't like, this isn't really a horror film, but have you guys seen Power of the Dog? Yes. That character, in, oh. in a way, is, is a complicated final... If If Cody Smith does not win the Oscar, there is no justice in this world. (laughs) He's excellent, and his his arc in that in that movie is you know, and in the end, the power that he has is pretty interesting. Yeah, it's it's for me that was a very like usual suspects moment without it being so obvious. Where when you notice what's happened to the entire film, I'm like, I need to go back and rewatch this immediately because I feel like I have missed every possible clue there was and I did yes, <laughs> I've like, watched it twice too yeah brilliant film uh, Jane Campion needs an Oscar for that one too yeah <laughs> watch it Nathan watch it yeah I'm, I'm going to go go highbrow you, you can go highbrow if you think it's a final girl movie look yes right <laughs> look I've been in the room when it was on. It's just I was editing <laughs> when my wife was watching it. <laughs> so oh, every once in a while, I look over. Hear bits and pieces of. I had my headphones on. I was able to Good. miss most of it. I just kind of looked over on occasion, just like, huh? Benedict Cumberbatch does a bad Western accent. All right. Oh, he was good. Uh, he's a great actor. It's just his accent. It's he's doesn't work for me. Maybe I'll get used to it if I actually watch it in context. Uh, Dan, what about you? Can you think of any? final boys i don't well, like I mean, how i phrase gonna... that that sounded too weird yeah this one it's gonna go it's gonna go very obvious but it's nightmare on elm street too um yeah. it's oddly enough uh, i know it's had a resurgence of late but that was always one of my favorite nightmare on elm streets anyway because i mean i grew up watching i i watched the first one on hbo right after you know right when it first came to hbo so those were ones that I was like constantly waiting for the next one to come out. And uh, what was his name? Mark Patton. Yeah. Um, is just such a, has such an interesting portrayal of Jesse in that film. And I love that that film keeps getting reevaluated. And he, he was uh, part of a recent documentary called Scream Queen that, that really dove into that where he, he talks about what it was like to be you know, a final girl and how even though he was a young gay man when he filmed this, he was not out yet. Yeah. But everything about it kind of forced him out and what that ended up doing to his life. Yeah. Intentional or not, that movie is so queer coded. And and I think that that's part of what makes the movie great. But also when it came out, what made it very difficult for his life. Yeah. it's, It's unfortunate that it took the toll that it did on him and i'm glad that he's kind of coming around to take some of that power back yeah um and is it is getting attention for honestly how good he really was in that film um and was just overlooked because i don't think i mean especially in the mid 80s we weren't the world wasn't ready for a a, a gay male to be the final girl in a yep. film they weren't ready for him to be a hero um because at that point, especially in horror movies, 
you know, gay characters were often the immediate victims. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So. Eric and I have talked about this a number of times where I saw Nightmare on Elm Street too late in life. So it didn't have the same, like when I was a kid, like it terrified me where I didn't want to go to sleep. I, I didn't see it until I was in my mid to late 20s, probably. And so, like, I'm able to recognize from a very academic standpoint why it is such an important movie in the history of horror. But watching it, probably going to get some hate for this, but I only thought that Nightmare on Elm Street was okay. I recognize why it's great. It did not have the same emotional impact on me. However, Nightmare on Elm Street 2, I adored and I realized why I don't love A Nightmare on Elm Street the same way that everyone else does. Again, because I didn't watch it young enough, so it didn't have that same like, oh no, one, two, Freddy's coming for you. Ah! It's because A Nightmare on Elm Street is a cat and mouse movie without the cat. Nightmare on Elm Street 2 is a cat and mouse movie where you actually get to see the cat f***ing with the mouse the entire time. And it makes it such a more powerful movie in seeing all of the ways that, that he's kind of torturing him rather than, you know, just a couple of scenes and then, you know, supposed to buy into it. Anywho, um, this made me think of another film that is even though there is technically a final girl in the sense that there is a girl that makes it to the end of the movie, I would argue that the main protagonist of Dan, you're going to love this blood rage by John Grismer. Uh, I would say that Mark Soper playing both Todd and Terry as uh, slasher and final girl. Uh, I, I would totally say that t- Todd it's Terry. Todd crap. I forget which one is which um, it, it's the same actor playing both characters. <laughs> it's such a good movie. I love it so much, but I would say that uh, yeah, the the twin that did not kill people when he was a little boy uh, is technically the final girl of, of blood rage. Mm, that's a good take. That's yeah, a good take It's both. It's both the hunter and the hunted and it's the same face on both of them. Yeah, gets into a lot of the duality. That again is talked about in uh, Men, Women, and Chainsaws. That's such a great book. If you've not read it, seriously, go buy it. It's only what, like 15 bucks, I think, for the uh, modern version on Amazon. It's totally worth it. Great read. <sighs> great title. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. All right. I don't know if I have anything else. <laughs> there's, there's probably more that we could dig into, but I think that we've hit the end of our notes. Dan, is there anything else that you especially wanted to make sure that we ask John and Toby? Uh, No, (laughs) I'm looking at my notes. I think I've covered everything I wanted to talk about with this topic. Well, I have one last question. Uh, When are we going to get a final girl slasher from Wonder Wheel Productions? (laughs) Well, in a sense, I feel like... uh, Zelda's character in The Deeper You Dig is a strange kind of final girl. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. I think of her as a final girl. Yeah. From beyond, and she definitely gets her the final say. Yeah, and I think that's a really interesting final girl. Be- I would yes. agree on that take, yeah. I, I like that, Tobe. Yeah, her, her, her character is present throughout the entire film, even though she, has, she didn't 
survived the entire film. Her, <laughs> She's her, her spirit is dead. Well, I would imagine also if we're going to go do a final girl, it's going to probably be a final man. And it's and a hunting badass killing woman is gonna make that man shriek like a classic <laughs> final girl. That's awesome. the only way that we're gonna do that, and uh, that's gonna be me. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm gonna take away Toby's, you know, phallic um, kitchen knife. <laughs> I already bought a ticket. Already wait. bought a ticket on Voodoo. <laughs> <laughs> you're not a virgin, like like, like you're not pure and virgin, virginal. But we're taking. We're, we're gonna it. twist the. Show. We're twist. We're gonna twist it. I mean, That's so we, I'm just like a man slut. No, see, <laughs> and see I'm gonna be a do. man slut final, uh, yeah. final man. It's gonna be amazing. We're already writing this. I what, can tell. This what is, you do? We got, halfway, we got all the important parts out. <laughs> What you do is uh, you have it be more of like, uh, because again, with uh, some of the things that you've talked about with how open you've been about your past, I think that you could very easily tie in that uh, the the character is like trying to get clean off of drugs. And so like he goes on like, like a dude hunting trip with his friends as a way to try to, you know, like get him back into nature and, you know, try to kind of go evil dead remake with it, but you know, better. Um, so so yeah like you have kind of uh, trying to get back to what the final girl is at the beginning of the movie in terms of like very virginal and very uh you know like anti-drug and so like on that path to try to get cleaned up and and that's that's how you become the the final man and it's a metaphor for uh the struggle it's great exactly perfect yeah yeah, and all, all, all you need is for the female character to be like one of those Jack Ketchum, you know, women characters that are absolutely terrifying. And there well, you go. I think you mentioned who we need, like in the very beginning of this podcast, didn't we talk about um, like, what are you laughing at? I was trying to give my crazy woman. Oh, you're crazy. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, Toby's playing. Toby's right now in the movie that we're making right now. Toby is playing. A, a serial killer that I am so in love with. <laughs> I'm going to be so sad when we're done shooting this movie because I'm going to bed every night with this serial killer that I just love. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I can keep it up for you, babe. <laughs> there you go. That, is, that is some couples role play to the extreme right there. Yes, yeah. exactly. <laughs> and this is why I love having you on the podcast. So much fun to talk to. All right, let's go ahead and wrap things up uh, because otherwise we're, we're going to have you on the line for like the next two hours and just talking about things not related to Final Girls, which would still be fun. However, I am also rapidly falling asleep. So, John, Toby, where do you want people to find you on social media? What are the projects that you have coming out again? Uh, that obviously help are coming out, but what are some of the other things that you can mention again in terms of all of just that self-promotion of where people can find you and the various things that you do. Toby Poser and John Adams are on Facebook, and we'd love to see you. Um, we're also on Instagram at adams.family.films. And we have an album coming out as Hellbender, and you can find our music, Hellbender, all spelled, all the E's are sixes, on Spotify and YouTube and all that good stuff. Apple. But we're extremely excited that on February 24th, 
our movie Hellbenders being released by Shudder, who is just this wonderful organization that's just treated us so genuinely, and we're, we're just excited and 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 we appreciate you guys. Uh, our our last podcast with you was just so fun and. You know, Zelda loved hanging out with you, and um, so we just appreciate all this. Yeah, you guys are so smart. We learn a lot. I've I've been keeping notes of stuff that I want to watch that you've talked about that I haven't seen. So thanks. Absolutely. So you're the perfect listeners for us. Yeah. Perfect. <laughs> <laughs> Boost our egos just enough. Uh, for but for then... once, our overwhelming nerdity comes in handy for <laughs> something other than making people back slowly away. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, give us just enough of an ego boost, but then keep us laughing to the point where we don't have time to focus on letting it go to our heads. Uh, Dan, where do you want people to find you? Uh, you, can, you can find me on Twitter at HBO to Front Row and on my website, HBO to Front Row.com. And you can follow me slash the podcast on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and Letterboxd at Video Monster Pod. You can also follow me personally on Letterboxd at The Gargyle. That's G-A-R-G-Y-L-E because it's a gargoyle wearing an Argyle sweater. And I've been very, very behind on actually updating uh, the Video Monsters uh, Letterboxd because unfortunately the app does not let you just switch back and forth like other social media things. So... I've been too lazy to keep logging out and logging back in, but one of these days I will actually get caught up in posting all of the reviews that we've done into Letterboxd so that you can just follow us there to uh, to get links to all of our reviews. And if you enjoyed this episode, be sure to keep coming back as we round out final February with guest uh, Wolf McCready as we talk about what happens next to final girls. So... We've talked about traditional Final Girls. We've talked about non-traditional Final Girls. Now we're going to talk about all of the trauma that happens after the movie ends. Uh, So that's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, Very, very much looking forward to that discussion. And be sure to follow along in Discord. Uh, The link is posted in Facebook, but we record every Tuesday night at 9-ish Eastern. As soon as we get the kids to bed, I've got two small children. Sometimes they cooperate. Sometimes they don't. Uh, and if you like this episode, leave us some reviews on Spotify or iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. Go leave those five-star reviews and tell us how much you love us. All right. That's been it for this episode of Video Monsters. I'm Nathan. I'm Dan. And John. I'm John. <laughs> I'm Toby. <laughs> John, Toby, once again, thank you so, so much for joining us. We have had an absolute blast and cannot wait to have you back. And you can guarantee we're going to ask you back again because this is fun. Can't wait. Thank you, guys. Thank you both. All right. Peace. Good night, everybody. One of the things that we didn't mention in the episode that uh, I was thinking about when we talked about uh, The Descent in terms of Neil Marshall's other movie, uh, Dog Soldiers, which is a great movie and if you've not seen it oh my god i love it so much also yeah, we've seen it one of the first episodes dan joined us on because he joined us last that year was. yeah last year in february yeah. you uh yeah, i was thinking about great. that we need to mention that next episode that you've been with us a year um but i was thinking about uh siege movies just in terms of you know most of those would technically kind of count as a final girl um, because usually only one or two people makes it out at the end. And, and there, there's a ton of great siege movies that all have 
a, a lot in common with Final Girl slashers, but just stuck oh, in yeah. one location. One hundred percent on that. Yeah. yeah. 